everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Transform TV podcast series. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Alexis Bateman, who is the research scientist and director of MIT Sustainable Supply Chains. Um, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your journey so far and what you've been doing? Yeah, absolutely. So really fortunate to be at MIT looking into sustainable supply chains. So I've been there for the last nine years coming out of my PhD in environmental planning and policy and, and really sort of joined a supply chain without having being a supply chain expert. And so uh, joined MIT where, where we had already ongoing work in, in supply chain sustainability and was asked to kind of broaden the scope of that from largely an environmental kind of carbon footprinting scope to a broader lens of supply chain sustainability. So across the uh, spectrum of environmental and social issues, because obviously they are uh, inter overlapping and in how they interact is, is a, a core issue for many companies. So how they set their goals, what's material to their business and how they you know, create strategies to reduce their impacts uh, over time. And so joined and, and really built a lab around that topic uh, to really explore one, what's happening, you know, what are the key issues and barriers that are leaving, uh, that giving companies challenges in, in, in incorporating them, what are sort of the future practices that are, are in place. And so uh, we, we operate in, in uh, three ways. So we do research, you know, research about the topic and then education. So we're really one of our key missions is to educate the professionals of the future, those supply chain uh, professionals that are going into the workforce to really be more aware about supply chains assembly, what role they can play across the board, wherever they land in the company. And then we have outreach. So we work directly with industry and, and supply chain players to really uh, scale and scope, you know, what the main issues are and, and how we can better serve uh, the issue and make progress. And so we're we're kind of been fighting the good fight for the last, uh, I would say, nine, 10 years and, and you know, have a long way to go, but I'm really uh, glad to have that opportunity. I, you know, I was, we were talking before the camera rolled. I said um, I had read one of the articles that you wrote and you've written a lot of really great articles. There's one that stands out to me, an article that appeared in Harvard Business Review, where we talk, you talk about the concept of supply chain transparency and um, you know, you talk about the uh, fact that a lack of, I'm going to quote you here, a lack of supply chain transparency can now stop businesses cold. Wow. I thought that's, that's such a huge statement, you know, that applies to every one of the people that are listening and watching, watching this right now. Can you perhaps maybe define supply chain transparency first? Uh, and, sure. and let's go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, together with the co-author on that paper, Leo Benani, who actually has a company in supply chain transparency, we really wanted to put it out there because there's some there's a myriad terms in play, uh, you know, in this space, visibility, traceability, transparency, and they all have different meanings to different mm -hmm. people. And so we really wanted to put out supply chain transparency is really a novel uh, concept that is, you know, emerging on the space for supply chain. So one, it is the, the, you know, capabilities to have visibility in the supply chain. So to what extent do you know what's happening beyond your tier one supplier uh, and are able to, you know, gauge whether that be uh, different information, particularly around sustainability sustainability upstream in your supply chain and, and, and piece that together across the full spectrum. So visibility is the one component that's that's more within, you know, intra-supply chain centric. And then the second part is the disclosure. So, you know, of course, the, the expectation is not to disclose 
everything you have ongoing because you know uh, that's just that's just not practical but to be able to disclose some extent that you have that visibility beyond tier one and so that that disclosure component is sort of what differentiates it from some of the other uh, concepts out there visibility and traceability that you are uh, sharing you know at least some information about to what extent you have visibility in your supply chain and uh, you know are making progress against reducing the social and environmental impact and so uh, that is really how we have defined it and one that you know we're seeing sort of it being adopted uh, going forward and how companies are seeking to be more transparent. Mm -hmm. and, and, and why do you think it should be something that's top of the agenda for uh, for companies today? Apart from what yeah. I just said about how it could stop a supply chain cold. <laughs> of course, yeah. So that that is one. There are you know increasing trade restrictions to stop uh, you know shipments coming in from uh, from countries that are known to have forced labor and slave labor, and so there are you know very hard restrictions in place that are actually going to stop a company cold but you know that that's one primary reason but there are, are many others and in 2019 when we wrote it you know we we felt the imperative hot was high but I can say two years later the imperative is so much higher and so knowing uh, what happened with COVID recognizing that many companies didn't know the full extent of their supply chains and where some of their materials were being produced. And when companies started going on lockdowns and they realized they couldn't procure those different materials or products they needed to run their supply chain, that lack of visibility came sort of front and center. And so what used to be a risk management, you know, uh, avoidance, uh, risk avoidance technique of sort of knowing uh, a little bit about your supply chain now was sort of put uh, right on the plate in terms of your your weaknesses, and so there are you know strategic business issues that are now merging with sort of these long term uh, sustainability issues, and and I think the the efforts going forward will be to see how we can merge those. So it's not just a nice to have. This is a capability that is uh, you know going to make you uh, far more flexible and agile in the future. Um, this is at the same time as some key events that you know, uh, forced labor in Xinjiang are, is on the top of the headlines. So, you know, recognizing that some firms didn't know that they were actually sourcing from that region. And they, they, it, that region is obviously not unique in that there are forced labor and slave labor issues, modern slavery and labor implications across the entire supply chain. It's just that, you know, sort of the, <clears throat> the skeleton in the closet that no one really wants to uncover. And so the, the recognition that so many major organizations have labor issues deep in their mm. supply chain has really put this issue kind of right in, in the center. So I think in the last two years, it's it's even since we wrote this gone sort of top of the agenda uh, for many reasons. Well, you know, let's let's talk about the well, the impact to the bottom line as well, because I can imagine that this would have a tremendous impact on the bottom line. Yeah. So, you know, I think that what's been hardest for companies to internalize the kind of all the the ways to pursue transparency which are numerous right so you need the you need the technology to support that data collection you need you need to understand what information you need which is a, an exercise in itself what cadence do you collect it at how deep do you go and then of course you need the human resources so you have sort of a three-pronged effort which can be pretty costly and so i mm -hmm. think historically companies didn't invest because it was a really, you know, um, significant investment with not a near-term ROI because you don't know that you're going to be implicated. You don't know a COVID is coming down the line. So if we can continue to operate, that neither of those is going to impact our supply chains. Of course, we're going to be leaner and not have to spend as much money to know what's happening upstream. Added to the fact that if you know, if you have more transparency, 
when you uncover poor practices, then you're you're obligated to act. And so there's sort of this multifold yeah. dimension that, you know, once you uncover that there are things happening that you need to do something about it. And so that requires further investment. But, you know, we obviously argue that one, you know, the actual uh, keep the actual uh, uh, capabilities of knowing what's happening in supply chain, taking action are going to make you more resilient in the long term. So the, the challenge is the ROI, the timeline, right, could be multiple years because you may never be implicated just by by pure luck, uh, you know, and, and so I think that there's these trade-offs of cost-benefit analysis that mm. firms have long been struggling with, but the dialogue is really shifting for investors right now. So those that don't actually have practices in place and, and you know, have really no transparency, there is different, you know, uh, you know, investment kind of perspectives that are saying, are they a risk? Because they don't know what's going to happen in their supply chain. Could a, to a big disruption really take them down? Uh, and so I think that it, where it used to be sort of you know, the, the broader uh, civil society expectations or NGOs, right? It's really shifting to a core business objective with investors really, you know, bringing scrutiny to key raw materials that companies need to have visibility into and, and you know, kind of across the spectrum of their supply chains. But there's also something big that's been a fundamental shift, say, in the last 10 years, which is the power that the consumer wields uh, due to social media. You know, I mean, you can destroy a brand in uh, in a tweet, you know, in a couple of tweets that go around the world. Uh, and and I think that before maybe that decisions that were made purely on a financial basis, you know, determining whether or not there was any kind of quantifiable, quantifiable ROI, um, you know, like you said, it could stop a supply chain cold. It could stop a business cold if your transparency is isn't, uh, I don't know, up to scratch. Right. I mean, how, what are the implications? The, you know, for consumers uh, on supply chain tra transparency? Sure. Yeah. So I'd say it's, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag, right? So you know, for some companies that are very consumer facing, it is a key issue, right? Because, you know, the, the trust <clears throat> when they are implicated in, a, you know, a labor scandal or, or an environmental scandal that one of their suppliers is dumping in a river or has, you know, a significant uh, pollutants uh, exiting their, their plant, you know, there's, a, there's myriad scandals that kind of go on and there'll be that news, uh, you know, cycle that they're implicated in and, uh, you know, can affect consumer trust for their brand. And so I think that mm -hmm. that is um, something that is really kind of coming on uh, more significantly in terms of like the news cycle is so much broader, more diffuse. Those headlines don't leave the, you know, don't leave the news cycle as, as fast as they mm. once did. So for instance, with the forced labor, uh, you know, in, in, in China, it's been kind of a constant headline. Uh, whereas I would say a few years ago, it would be sort of a blip that people would be like, oh, I don't even really know what a supply chain is. And now mm -hmm. there's this recognition via COVID yeah. and not being able yeah. to get your toilet paper that supply chains are central to our lives and they have massive impact across the world. So there's sort of a, a perception chip, excuse me, shift uh, even for consumers on what supply chains are and the impact they have. So then when you find out something is happening deep within, you know, your your favorite company's supply chain, it's, it's going to make you think a little bit more deeply. But, you know, that said, we, we realize that companies really are operating and, and acting because of a, a range of pressures. So consumers are just one of many. So, you know, there, there's pressure from NGOs, there's pressure from, uh, you know, regulatory pushes, whether it be the ongoing discussion for the EU due diligence law that will have pretty wide ranging implications for supply chain transparency and reporting and disclosure, uh, you know, added to investor pressure. So there's, you know, so I think there's a lot of different um, pressures that are uh, uh, encouraging companies to act more than they have before. But 
you know, my colleagues at MIT Sloan, so Karen Jig is a, is a research, is a professor there, and she looked and, and did find in behavioral experiments that uh, if a company relative to a company that doesn't have as much transparency about the labor practices in the supply chain, in her behavioral experiments, she, she did see that consumers would be willing to pay more. So the more it was, but it had a lot of nuance in terms of the type of information, what type of product, you know, the range of consumers that would be willing to pay. But there are studies that show that in, in, in some cases, there is a price premium to having that transparency on your product as well. But okay, so, so it's important to the consumer, it's important for reputational damage or risk, it's important for, in general, the bottom line. Are many companies doing supply chain transparency? I mean, are they investing in it? Does the do the bucks follow? Do, you know, does the money follow? Uh, well, I, I I would say that more and more are investing in having more visibility, right? So they are, you know, recognizing they have some clear gaps in recognizing what their supply chain looks like. So, you know, they obviously have good working relationships with their tier one, and they realize it sort of falls off after that. So how can we get more information from our tier two suppliers? You know, do we compel our tier one suppliers to, to ask their tier two? How do we kind of create that system? Or do we do a supply chain map and then kind of fill in the bank gaps of information ourselves? And so there's all these different approaches to fill in the gaps of information. I think every company is doing it a little bit differently because there's no kind of silver bullet to this solution. Some are contracting third parties, sometimes some are internalizing those capabilities. And so how they're executing that kind of is, is the range. I think that this year, more than others, the capabilities are being invested in more than I've ever seen before. I don't okay. think there's a point where it's transparency because really they're really recognizing what is the scope of their supply chains? What is happening on the ground? Do we have enough information to say that we're not, we don't have poor actors in the supply chain? So you can't really disclose and become more transparent. <clears throat> until you mm -hmm. feel comfortable that you, you've you vetted your supply chain. And so I think there's sort of this hump of information that you're even gathering the information yourself. And then to, you know, I would say over the next few years, there's gonna be an effort to really vet out sort of poor actors. And the more actors, so obviously more of the downstream players that are pushing for this, it's gonna be easier to push out poor practices and, uh, you know, uh, deeper in the supply chain. So I think that there's a push to get that internal information now. And then, you know, we'll, we'll kind of graduate into uh, you know, more transparent. Are, are every, is every product going to be traceable down to raw material in the next few years? Probably not. That's, that's just, you know, uh, that scope is too large, but I do think that, you know, the high risk, you know, um, products, high risk materials, high risk supply chains are the ones that they're kind of segmenting and tackling first to say, you know, we, we know that, um, you know, we source from countries that, that have historically high rates of labor issues or environmental issues. And so we should really start with these first. And so I think there is a, a very strategic approach as with everything that you need to kind of segment to tackle the high impact issue areas first. And so I, I'm seeing it happen. And certainly the topic is, is kind of resurfaced as a, as a key issue for many. So would your advice be for supply chain leaders right now to assess, you know, the ones that the, their supply chains that they feel are more at risk and then work from there, if, if that's the best way to do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely a segmentation process to say, here's a spectrum of our of our products and our materials and our supply chains and, and how do we really uh, uh, start, you know, and one of which is to say which is high risk, which have the highest environmental impact, which have the highest social impact, you know, what is what are the kind of attributes to which 
we need what are what are the biggest portion of our spend and, and are most critical to our business. So there's a lot of different criteria that they can do to kind of create that that you know strategy to which they they're going to um, you know uh, begin to build in that those capabilities. And so not really just throwing a dart on the on the board and, and picking that you know which is certainly can be a practice. But I think there's a much more strategic lens here. And then layering in what do people care about? So that's a that's another issue that you know is um, you know one that needs to be kind of material to companies is that even if it might not be the biggest impact of their business, there's a you know one of the key topics right now is ocean plastics, and so ocean plastics yeah. is a, a key. You know we all feel personally responsible for our oceans because everyone well I would say most people love an ocean, uh, and uh, so I think that has come on to the, the radar, even though many businesses, you know, that is not necessarily directly related to the supply chain, but they realize that it's a key issue for their stakeholders, for their consumers, even for their employees and their, their leadership, and so there's these key issues that are need to be managed in addition to these strategic lens, like what is our highest impact, where do we spend the most money, uh, if this goes down, what effect will this, you know, have on our business. What will this business disruption do to you know our bottom line? And so I think there's there's ways to kind of put all that information together to act strategically as opposed to just floundering and saying there's too much I can't do anything, which is what historically used to happen because it was just yeah. so much. Um, but that said, there are a lot of you know companies starting to do it well. You know, so um, well, I was just going to ask you, can you give me some examples of some companies that are really doing it well in different areas or? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that 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 article, we mentioned a few, but I think there, there are similar companies that are acting um, and have continued to to progress in that area. For instance, VF Corp is one that, you know, has really identified we have some, you know, uh, pieces that we sell that never change. Right. You know, that's a, an, an apparel issue. If you have, you know, seasonal items that, you know, you kind of keep needing to map the supply chain and knowing, you know, since it's a an item that will only be, you know, seasonal, but they really realize, you know, we have you know, this suite of items we sell every year, we work with the same suppliers, we want to improve the quality of the product, and we also want to make sure it's the most sustainable. So we're going to get to the bottom end of our raw materials and be able to map that and know that we're having, uh, you know, that it, it's a it's a sustainable product. And so we have sort of that full, you know, it's not only a high quality item, but then, you know, consumers can be confident that uh, there isn't forced labor in their polo. And so I think they kind of did it strategically in terms of you know, this is where a lot of our business and our profits come, uh, an item that is not going to change. So it's not going to be hard to kind of, it's not a moving target in terms of mapping and where our supply chains are, you know, and that's, that's the key challenge with visibility is when, you know, they're, they're shifting around that, you know, you, you need to kind of re, uh, you know, resituate and understand where those shifts are happening. And so um, I think, you know, VF, I mean, Patagonia was the original sort of footprint chronicles where they put that map out and that, that was a decade ago, which is, you know, sort of wow. like, <laughs> looks, you know, I look at myself like, oh, that was a decade ago. But, um, you know, they really put, were the earliest mover to map the, to map their jacket and say, you know, and even providing, I was the person cold calling their suppliers, you know, they were mapping really? and providing the content, you know, we, or we source our organic cotton uh, from, from, you know, from this, uh, from Texas and, and, you know, they had, the information about each of their suppliers and they were the first actor to put that out there. and I think everything has sort of followed suit to never no, nothing has ever been to that extent and, and I think there's a movement towards eventually getting to something like that but you know there's 
um, there is a there are efforts that are are pretty genuine. I mean, even you know, like uh, for instance, Nike has their their manufacturing map. So while they don't have deep tier uh, visibility, uh, you know, or excuse me, they don't have uh, disclosed transparency about their supply chain. You know, they probably have it internally, but you know, they have their manufacturers map. So it's because of the scale of their supply chains, they're really starting with you know some of the areas that they see their highest impact. And so, you know, a, a lot of great progress out there. And I think. You know, even some of the biggest companies in the world, you know, Amazon just released their supplier list for their branded products, right? And while I would say that's, you know, there's a long journey there, the fact that, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world are recognizing that they need to be more transparent really signals to every company around the world that, you know, this is happening. And so even if it's in, it's small steps, it, it is happening. I was just going to say, it's exactly right. This is happening. This isn't just a wish list, some sort of fanciful idea, theoretical idea that, that people are talking about. It is something that you need to do. We've talked about the benefits to the bottom line. We've talked about the benefits to risk, reputation, to consumer or attracting consumers. There's one element that was in one of your articles that you've written and, and that we haven't touched upon, which is employee retention and uh, recruitment and hiring people. You know, I think more and more, and this is what's coming out of your research, employees are also asking for companies that have more transparency. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I see this in multiple dimensions, one of which is, uh, you know, just talking to businesses and how they're hiring their employees. But this is something that employees and high, you know, uh, high impact employees are looking for. So how can I differentiate, you know, this company versus another? You know, do I want to work for one that has historical violations or do I want to one that I can feel good about? Even if I'm not directly working on that issue, I, you know, the, the, you know, I would say staff and everyone has sort of a personal connection to the business, to the company, to the organization that they're working for and knowing that they yeah. are more genuine than another, it has a significant impact that you can be proud that you're working for them. And so that's, I would say that is uh, a key kind of recruitment retention uh, issue. I mean, we've seen employees have strikes and walkouts because of, you know, they, they want their companies to act. And so it's not happening in a bubble it's not just a you know side conversation it's you know there's there's real action and real kind of uh, opportunity there for for your staffing but then you know i'm even seeing in in our grads uh you know that are coming through our programs at mit that you know the ones the the high performers getting their masters at mit and the ones that are getting you know their online education through our micromasters right they want to know about supply chain sustainability. They want to know about the scope. They want to know how they can be evolved. They want to know who the best companies are. And so this isn't happening, you know, this isn't sort of a blip. This is, you know, the future of professionals that they want to be involved. They want their role to have some effect on the overall impact. And they don't want to work for a company that, that, you know, has implications as poor practices. So I'm not saying that, you know, that's true across the board, but it's happening it's, you're seeing it more than ever you're seeing yeah. it yeah. And, yeah and 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 we're hearing it too um let's talk about covid for a second because there were obviously a lot of learnings but you know there's a there's a school of thought that says with fighting the uh, crisis of covid companies might have put sustainability and transparency as in the back seat it, did you find that that happened or do you think that people are still taking it seriously uh, uh and have been taking it seriously yeah, so that's actually a key question that we've been researching. So we we have an annual gauge that we put out uh, as one of one of our kind of research products, which is the state of supply chain sustainability. So we um, had the first one uh, in 2020, and then we ran, ran the survey again this fall. Excuse me, 
last year in 20, I'm like, what time is it? Uh, 2020 fall. And so in September of, of last year, we collected that data to really get those, uh, you know, what, how have commitments to issue areas changed? And one of the key questions was, has COVID influenced your uh, firm's commitment in supply chain sustainability? And so we found some interesting results. By and large, it was not statistically significant that companies drew back their commitments. And so that was um, tw about 2,400 professionals responding on behalf of their firms. And so I think that that was a really interesting signal. And that might sit differently than general corporate sustainability as mm -hmm. supply chain sustainability, because we're asking yeah. specifically about supply chain. And given the increasing focus on supply chains in the last year, I think that actually many companies have doubled down to really understand what's happening in their supply chains, what the impact of their supply chains are. And so we've seen, I would say the big differences is that large excuse me, large organizations by and large did not draw back their commitment. And when we are complementing that survey with executive interviews, they said it's accelerated their commitment. So they've said- really? We know that there's a scrutiny. We had the opportunity to increase our commitments. And you know, of the, of the many we've talked to, we heard that the word accelerate numerous times. And so it was not, uh, you know, it was, it, was not, it was not an anomaly. So we kind of checked our notes and we're like, nope. Many people said it has accelerated the efforts. But one, one caveat is that in the day, we are seeing that small and medium-sized enterprises were more likely to draw back their, their commitment than because yeah. of financial uh, implications and so there there was some drawback at, at, at certain scales of, of firm size but across the board it wasn't um, it, we didn't see the effect that many predicted so last last question um, what do you see as the future for supply chain sustainability you know or supply chain transparency yeah well you know I, I say this every crystal year crystal ball last... time crystal ball time right <laughs> yeah you know, every year I'm like, it's, it's, it's going, you know, this is the future. Everyone is adopting it. And I've said that every year and I believe it. And I believe it's even more true than it ever has been. So, yeah. you know, topics that we were looking at, you know, nine years ago and, you know, weren't really on the radar and we were kind of pushing against the grain. We, I remember we had a round table in 2015 on traceability and I had to explain to many that I invited what traceability was. And so, uh, you know, there's there's these issue areas that we've been looking at for quite some time that just felt like it was against the grain. You know, people just weren't looking at it and that's just not true anymore. We're finding a lot of people reaching out to us, you know, how do I learn more? How do I do this in my organization? You know, we've we've been thinking about it, but we don't know how to do it or, or how do we scale our impact? And mm -hmm. we have this one, uh, pilot that we did that we learned a lot from, but now we got to roll this out across our portfolio of products. And, you know, I think that there's one, the changing focus around supply chain has just really changed the perspective on the role of sustainability and supply chain, because people know it's not, it's no longer sort of that, you know, behind the scenes group that yeah. everyone ignores until it breaks. People realize what the scope and scale of supply chain is front and center. It, so it's completely uh, from the center. So I think that the the imperative for transparency is a is a business imperative now. It's not just a nice to have, and you know that layered in with sustainability together is that uh, companies are beginning to see how they can make real changes. There's big commitments going out, and so we really need to follow up with how they're investing and achieving those results year over year, not just when it's it's top of mind this year. So uh, you know I along with many will will continue to kind of investigate what those practices uh, look like, but I, I have high hopes. Well, as you should. I mean, I don't know if I want to be in charge of a supply chain that becomes uh, embroiled in a scandal 
uh, that's all over Twitter and, uh, you know, CNN, I, to be honest, it, I don't think you have much choice now. You have to look into this. Or you have to at least take the steps, right? Yes. Uh, to start to, to look at your high risk uh, elements of your supply chain. Uh, Alexis, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. I mean, I, I could talk about this topic for a long time. I'm sure you could too. And I'm sure we'll do other things and we'll uh, no doubt we'll see you again. Uh, this has really been interesting, and I think it's important for supply chain leaders to start to really take this a lot more seriously every single year than, than you know, we remain hopeful as well. Yes, uh, thanks so much for having me. You know, obviously, we I agree, this is a, a pressing issue that businesses need to be thinking about. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, I have papers out there, but if, uh, you know, those can contact me with more information. So uh, we're really happy to continue to engage and kind of keep, continue to shed, shed the light around supply chain transparency about where, what direction it's heading. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And for those of you watching at home, thank you so much for watching and we'll see you at the next one. Thank you. Thank you.